I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Drug makers have employed new technologies to reduce the cost and time it takes to develop drugs and produce therapies that more precisely target the underlying biology driving diseases. Boston-based Berg is using artificial intelligence with a variety of other technologies to re-engineer the discovery and development process. We spoke to Niven Narain, co-founder, president, and chief technology officer of Berg, about the problems with drug development today what makes Berg's approach unique, and what its pipeline can tell us about whether the approach is working. Niven, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you, Dan. It's great to be with you. Let's start with drug development today. What what you say is wrong with the way most companies go about developing new drugs? I would say that the most companies make obviously a, a fervent event, uh, effort to to create drugs in um, the best way towards helping as many patients as they can. But I think one fundamental issue within drug development, as it is today, is that we we, we still are uh, as an industry we're putting a chemical screening up front instead of putting the biology up front. We we don't often learn about the effect of these. These chemicals uh, on on a patient's biology until the drugs have, have, have hit the market at a significant level, and of course, most uh, drugs that are in development, I think it's one in ten thousand molecules that are screened actually go into clinical development, and and one in one hundred phase ones actually become an approved drug. Your company uh, Berg has has built a drug development platform. What's different about the way Berg is approaching the problem of drug development? So Berg has made a conscious effort uh, based on the tenets that I, I just mentioned to actually go back to biology. So what we do is we make no assumptions up front. We actually uh, are, somewhat is, are, are flipping the scientific method upside down where we are allowing the data to generate the hypotheses instead of the hypotheses generating data. So we start all of our processes up front by screening human tissue samples from uh, uh, from individuals with a given disease, for example, cancer. And then we take, uh, if at all possible, from that same patient, uh, normal healthy tissue or a separate court of, uh, of healthy individuals where we then drive a process well beyond genomics by looking at that patient's genes, the patient's health records, uh, and other types of omics that we refer to in, uh, internally as a, as, as a phenome or phenotypic medicine to look at their proteins, metabolites, and really to understand as broad as possible the patient's uh, biology and narrative. So then the decisions that are made to then to focus in on, on what has gone wrong can be appreciated and illustrated by the use of uh, the artificial intelligence uh, a program that we have uh, where all the data is fed into that AI. 
and and then at the at the end of that process um what what comes out looks like a map and that map on 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 the patient populations allows us to understand which genes and proteins uh are governing the difference between health and disease so you made a reference to some of the technologies you're employing there there are a number of companies that have used various omics they've used in silico drug development, uh, they've used systems biology approach. What's different about what Berg's doing from what's been done elsewhere and in, in some of these next generation drug development firms? Sure, no, that's a fair point. Uh, and then the, the difference um, as, as compared to some of the other companies that are, uh, are focused um, very deeply and with uh, significant expertise in individual verticals or individual uh, silos or companies, as you mentioned, are, are proteomics companies or bioinformatic companies. Berg really puts the t the, the tissue sample at the at the foundation, and then what uh, what happens is that we we screen uh, the genomics, the proteomics, metabolomics, the lipids, and that information is then intercalated. Uh, in an agnostic way and subjected to this Bayesian AI system that then allows all of these processes to occur within that one sample so that we're integrating all of these, these, these data sets in a manner that helps us to understand much more fundamentally uh, about that sample. But the second layer is that expression or an understanding of expression of genes or proteins because of the nature of biology, does not always mean that it's going to translate into a loss of function. So we add on a second layer by looking at uh, things um, in the biology that, that pertain to mitochondrial function or energy production, uh, inflammation, etc., where we then perturb these the, 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 uh, these tissues or, or, or cell cell models in a manner that allows us to appreciate what is what happens in this uh this mimicked environment of disease so we're capturing expression we're capturing the the functionality and in most cases we have the clinical outcome data so we're spanning this the, the these patient populations all the way from the the uh the cellular basis the functional model and then of course in in the outcome that we have from the health records so it seems like these new approaches provide great opportunities for more intelligent and elegant drug design and drug development, but we're still quite limited in our understanding of the various omics of gene networks and, and, and the networks of disease pathways. Does your approach somehow get around the limits of our understanding today? I think, uh, I think Dan, it helps to unravel New understanding. Um, I think that uh, most of you know there was a, a a Nature paper that came out in the past year that showed that the, that that many of the targets that are published um, or many of the drugs that we we have now even even marketed do not actually hit the original uh, target that one has had, success, had suspected. So we, uh, as I said, by taking the agnostic approach, we're able to learn more about the biology. But you know, biology in in and of itself is fairly messy. Even in a healthy environment, it's, it's fairly messy. And I think that in in an effort to strategically clean up the biology, we actually lose some of the real fundamental underpinnings of what is is leading to disease. So by 
the Borg approach of encapsulating and including all of the data sets with no cutoffs, et cetera, we're then able to allow um, this noise, if you will, within the biology, the messiness of the biology to be captured by this, this supercompute AI uh, platform that, that, you know, that one could not obviously humanly appreciate, but the AI helps us to make sense of all, all of this data. Before you were talking about the way traditional drug development's done, where a chemical library will be thrown at a, a target, you don't use chemical libraries or synthetic compounds. Instead, you focus on organic compounds that are naturally occurring in the body with the intent of normalizing the, the disease microenvironment by essentially using the body's own machinery to fix itself. Can you explain this and, and why it may be a more effective or beneficial approach? Sure. So, um, and that's absolutely right. So, so Berg has not employed the use of, of chemical libraries. The approach is that since we fundamentally are starting with the human tissue sample up front, instead of learning what's going to happen to the patient in the clinical trial or, or post-market surveillance, we're putting, we're, we're moving that piece of the puzzle to the forefront. And by and uh, by creating the the differential between what's health with the the healthy model that's built and the uh, and the disease model, the difference is really the the things that have gone wrong. Which genes and proteins and metabolites, for et cetera, are responsible for the onset or the proliferation of of a given disease? So what we do then. After these models or these maps are built, if you will, like uh, take the American Airlines map, for example. You know, Americans, uh, um, well, well, since the merger with uh, with U.S. Airways, they're now headquartered in in Dallas with hubs in Phoenix and in Kennedy and Miami. So we know that the you know four of the pressure points that govern this airline are in those four cities. So when something goes wrong in New York airspace, you may be flying from Topeka, Kansas to Portland, Oregon. But if your plane is at LaGuardia, you know, something's going to, uh, you know, it ha has nothing to do with those two cities, but you're going to end up in a delay or a cancellation. And disease and the, and the networks of biology work as such. So what we're, we're uh, able to appreciate from these models is which of these, 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 these genes and these proteins, metabolites are, are causing these, these deviant uh, changes in the, in the biology. So then when we go back and um, we go back into the wet lab, and, and validate these these uh, these findings by either uh, doing a knockdown of that gene in a cancer model to see then if if you knock a certain gene or protein down, do we actually see that this the cancer cell now is undergoing apoptosis, or are we seeing that in um, uh, in 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 skeletal muscle if you're able to uh, redeliver a certain protein or enzymes in, into skeletal muscle, are you now seeing that you're increasing insulin sensitivity in a di in a, in a diabetic uh, model or uh, increasing glucose uptake. So the, all of the surrogate endpoints of given diseases are tested in the wet lab once the uh, the you know these maps are delivered on on these patient populations. So then the approach is to use those strategies that are now validated in the lab and put them through now a traditional pharmaceutical clinical development program, whether it's uh, by employing the use of antisense oligonucleotides or siRNA technologies, if we have to do a knockdown, or in the, in the case of an overexpression, we can then re-deliver uh, um, 
enzymes or peptides, proteins in uh, in a manner that's that's pharmaceutically acceptable, where we can even uh, in some cases um, target the organ of of interest, so that we can then use and that's where that term you know using the body's own machinery to fix itself because we're essentially uh just rebalancing or creating that homeostasis of uh of levels of that given uh biological molecule um to treat disease so it's still relatively early days for the company but has there been any proof of principle yet is there a case to be made for this approach saving time or reducing the cost of drug discovery and development yeah um no that's that's a great question uh um and we have our, our, our latest um and most mature asset is in oncology which is bpm three one five one zero and that molecule um which is a, a ubiquinone based uh, technology uh that has been made into nanoparticle uh, uh suspension is 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 meant to drive and change the metabolism of of the tumor microenvironment by re-energizing the mitochondria to behave much like a healthy mitochondria. And then you, when you have healthy mitochondria, cell death is a normal part of of uh, of, of health. Uh, or skin cells replenish every 28 days. And uh, these, this molecule is able to switch the fuel that cancer is 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 depending on. And reinitiate apoptosis. So we've now seen, even in uh, in our, our clinical trials, we're seeing proof of principle in in 2DG PET scans that um, when the drug is administered to patients, um, we're seeing that the metabolism of their tumors are actually being mitigated and, and decreased. Uh, and in addition to some other uh, uh, clinical endpoints and benefits. So uh, in 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 our clinical trials, we're seeing the validation of the of the of this mechanism from cell to the, the preclinical models to now in human trials, and then we also have novel prostate cancer markers that have come out of this platform that are ending a, a CLIA validation uh, for the launch of a of, of a CLIA test. Um, we've we've tested this in uh, in uh, in perspective. Uh, a tissue and serum samples in collaboration with the Department of Defense, and and thirdly, we have um, some some preclinical diabetes drugs that have been uh, invalidated in preclinical proof of principle animal models. So the, the you know those are three of uh, um, of uh, 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 many examples that that show proof points and validation points of interrogative biology, but. but those are the three most mature assets of uh, of the pipeline. The um, and in terms of the the lead, which is a, uh, a topical treatment for skin cancer, is that right? Yes. Yeah, so it's in two dosage forms. We have a topical form indicated for skin cancer, and then we have an intravenous form that is indicated for solid tumors. So, how long did it take you to get where you are today? Uh, we started the uh, first uh, uh, trials in in solid tumors in 2011, and uh, um, we've we've been able to develop, you know, identify the target, you know, develop the dosage forms in uh, in less than in five years, uh, essentially from the time that the, uh, the the platform was able to. Help to guide the mechanism of action and development. So we we went from discovery 
to validation, preclinical and, and clinical in, in less than five years. Berg takes its name from Carl Berg, a, a billionaire who made his fortune in real estate. I, I take it his backing has provided an unusually stable financing that has allowed for the company to build and develop itself differently than it might otherwise had it been backed in a more conventional way. What has this allowed you to do differently? Yeah, so you're absolutely right. The the uh, very unique uh, and uh, um, you know supportive funding that's come out of of, of Carl and, uh, and 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 the other co-founder Mitch Gray has just allowed us to scale the platforms uh, that I, I spoke of earlier in omics and, and building the Bayesian artificial intelligence, the supercompute capability. Uh, in a manner that's allowed us to be much more innovative and to uh, um, spray outside of a traditional vertical and what you would usually see in an early startup biotech. Uh, it's allowed us to, to span multiple diseases at one time, uh, namely uh, CNS diseases, uh, diabetes, and cancer, uh, and allowed us to really attract significant and uh, Unique uh, uh, talent in in all the verticals uh, relative to systems biology, uh, artificial intelligence. Um, you know, leading experts in the fields that we're focused on, but just allow innovation to uh, go beyond the usual confines that you would see in an, in an early startup. So Berg seems to have a, a rather ambitious development program. It's as a relatively broad pipeline that includes not only oncology, but metabolic disease and, and CNS, as well as diagnostics, as you, you made reference to. And these programs are in cancers and autism and Parkinson's. What's the development strategy? How are you going to prioritize and make sure you have adequate resources to advance your pipeline? And, and what role do you see partnering playing in terms of your long-term development strategy? Right, so we really see ourselves as being uh, adept in in the early uh, components of of, uh, the, of the drug development process. We see um, we our business model is to really stay focused on on discovering and uh, validating and, and developing these these therapeutics up to proof of principle in phase one, phase two, and in diagnostics up to CLIA and potentially. Uh, you know, further on through partnerships with 510K. But we see ourselves as, as really an organic feeder into the farm, in, into, uh, the pharmaceutical industry where we can then partner with big pharma, uh, with mid-sized pharma to commercialize and, and continue the, the late stage trials all the way to the NDA. Um, we don't have any, uh, intentions of creating a sales and marketing, um, uh, uh, teams who really want to just focus on the front end innovation and, and, and clinical proof of principle. Uh, so our business model is through a, a strategic partners that allow us to create the types of co-development deals, the type of deals that uh, allow interrogative biology to span that life cycle from the discovery of a target all the way to uh, post-market surveillance as a technology partner, even after we've uh, we've licensed uh, the technologies or, or partnered them out, um, so that the late stage uh, uh, trials and NDAs uh, can be filed. Niven Narain, President and Chief Technology Officer for Berg. Niven, thanks for your time. Uh, th or thank you so much, Dan. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm.
Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send an email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.